Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Jen, who has joined us before because she is a wondrous woman rocking it um, from years past. Hello, Jen. How are you? Hey, Sarah. I'm good. How are you? I am well. So when you begin your journey, you came over to talk to a guy, as many people do, and then it ends up being like, whoa, there's all these other situations in my life that I probably <laughs> should take another look at. Uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about your experience with that? Yes. And thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think I'd be considered what OG at this point of the wondrous women, I guess. <laughs> um, but no, uh, what I realized through uh, the program, so I initially came to Sarah about a guy, obviously, and it was the relationship after my um, divorce and realized that my family was having a huge impact, negative impact on my my life and my health and how, how I wanted to live my life. You know, that 2.0 that you talk about that, you know, the best version of your life. And it felt like every time I tried to make a positive move for me, I had this drama over here or my mother in my ear telling me that's a bad idea. And, and my father backing up my mother. And then if I wasn't showing up at this family event, then it was World War III. And, and literally, I have family members that will, my mother will contact them, have them call my work. I mean, they will track me down and they will do it incessantly until I agree to their terms and conditions that fits her idea of the way things are meant to be. Well, and, and teach you to trust her instead of yourself which exactly. is the line of nearly every toxic relationship, right? Um, whether it be parent, partner, you know, toxic boss, whatever. And through that process of being raised in that environment, you came up with some, some patterns, right? Tell us about mm -hmm. uh, patterns you've put together. So there's um, obviously lots, <laughs> lots of patterns, but I've noticed, um, well, just specifically, I guess we could go into the, the patterns of, you know, how to handle or deal with a toxic family or a tox toxic parent specifically. Um, and, you know, what I consider the three types are, you know, there's full contact. That means you're allowing them in your life. Uh, whatever is convenient for them. And I say that <laughs> because it's very true. When they need you, that's when you hear from them. When they don't, you do not hear from them. So, um, and if you need anything from them, you don't technically really hear from them. So an example of that was when I was going through my divorce and needed emotional support and help. I maybe heard from my parents, I would say maybe two or three times max via phone call and it was well mostly... I want to add, yeah I, I want to add to that they you could they could want to be the hero mm -hmm. or they could want to be the victim right so they may need you to be their emotional punching bag so them needing you can, can look a variety of ways which is confusing if you haven't studied this right yes 
if I hadn't gone through this program, you know, we're all geared and raised in toxic families like this, specifically my situation to be people pleasers. And it's just like in, you know, toxic relationships. Um, and it's so validating how much of your program, it just, it, it covers both. And I think once you get into it and then you realize, holy crap, I was raised to be a toxic person's favorite person. <laughs> you know, it's like I went to school to be, a, I, I don't want to say abused, but like I, I was set up for failure, you know, from the very get go. It's no wonder a narcissist found me and married me. It's no wonder another narcissist found me after divorce. So with the full contact, it, she just, they, they have constant access to you. And I went through that for a very long time. And it was after I went through your program was when I went, huh, this is, this is not healthy. My mother calling me at my job and telling me all about her day and what's going on and talking about my other siblings and pitting me against them was not healthy or productive for me or my children. And it really took me having my children to really realize, well, and this program, like I, I, as soon as I had my children, I knew something was off. And you know, that gut instinct that you talk about all the time, that feeling where like, Hmm, I'm not quite sure, but this is your family. And, you know, especially when you grow up in the church, like I did, and I know you did, you know, your family is everything. You look almost like a foreign person when you say, um, I don't talk to my family. If you said that in church, people would be like, what? Excuse me? And unless they physically abused you or did drugs or, you know, there's got to be some major issue for it to be okay, you know, socially acceptable. But when uh, I was... Talk a tiny bit about the permission notes, um, because you, mm-hmm. you hit on something really important, which is learning for it to be okay, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it may not be socially acceptable to say you don't talk to your mom, and it may not feel at the beginning uh, like the right thing to do. But yep. if we write ourselves permission notes, you know, yeah. dear Sarah, I give you permission to not give your family full contact, right? Dear Sarah, mm-hmm. I give you permission to move down to partial contact, right? Is that yep. kind of what you're talking about? Yes, absolutely. And so that's where you know, you get to a certain point where you have healed, right? And you're noticing these patterns, these toxic patterns of, okay, my mother, when my mother has something go wrong, I get a phone call and I get thrown up on, right? And this is not healthy for me. I cannot answer her phone call while I'm at work. Okay. Well then it got to the point where I would get home. She would, and then I would call her back and I would literally be sitting in the driveway and then she would spew all over me. So what am I taking into my children? What was I taking into my home life? I was taking her negativity and toxicity um, into my home life. And what got me the most was she was talking about the people that she said she loves the most in the worst possible ways to another person that she says she loves the most. And I'm supposed to believe that she has my best interests at heart. She has my best, you know, whatever, because she is my mom, right? And I'm going, no, because if you, it's just like anybody else. If they talk to to you about that person in a negative way, guaranteed they're going to talk about you to another other person in a negative way. And it just points out the fact with toxic mothers and or toxic fathers even too, but mostly toxic mothers will triangulate the children against each other. So most of the time, a lot of research has been done. You will find that most siblings in a toxic family don't really talk to each other. They may hang out at birthday parties or at family barbecues once in a while. But other than that, there's really no contact. There's no, if I had a problem, I'd call my brother. Never had that. If I had a problem, I'd call my sister. No, usually it was my best friend or it was, a you know, another one in my tight little circle. 
Well, and what did you, what process did you do to become okay with that? Because um, I know some of your siblings have some certain uh, toxic qualities as well. Um, yeah. So what process did you go through to kind of move into acceptance with, you know, I guess my sister's not going to be my person. Mm-hmm. Um, I followed the exact same steps that you take. So I took the teachables and I took um, the steps that you had written out to get over a toxic relationship. So you have, you know, innately we're, we're bonded to our, our, our parents and we're bonded to our family of origin because everyone wants to have acceptance. Everyone wants to know that they belong somewhere, right? And when you're trying to cut that tie, it's almost earth shattering to a lot of people to not have that sense of belonging. And so what I did just with like any other relationship, I I had to say, okay, this, this isn't a good thing for me. And so now I need to move forward, right? We take the exact same steps that we took in the program um, for our family relationships that are toxic that we do with our relationship, romantic relationships that are toxic. And that grieving portion was huge for me. It's how I got to the level of acceptance to say, okay, full contact is not healthy for me because she's not my best friend. She's not the person that I can call and tell all my boy troubles to because what she'll do is she'll then call the boy and talk behind my back because she did that multiple times. Um, and so she's not the person that I can trust with all my deepest, darkest secrets. And she's not the person that I would say I feel 100% comfortable watching my children. And when you write all those things out, you know, I, I wrote down like, here's what I have, you know, here's what I have given or not given, but done for my sister, emotionally supportive, physically supportive, all of these things. And I wrote down what I had received from her and it was nothing but hurtful. And getting it out of your head and on to paper, not where, you know, you don't have to write them a letter and tell them all these things, but getting, getting it out of your head is huge. Because it just rolls around there. Yep, it does, and and it's and it and it's a hard concept because it's your family, right? You know, if it's a if it's a separate person, but they're toxic and they were, yeah, it it it's almost like this is a, a um, and I don't want to say it's harder, but it's in a sense it is because it's built into your body. You're you know because you know you've probably read a lot of books like the trauma is held in the body and felt in the body, and it and it's and it's completely true, especially from a familial standpoint point, given that you have that natural bond. And so what I had to do is I had to go through that grieving process that you articulate so well with people. And it is huge. So my best advice from how I went from full contact to actually coming to acceptance, like these aren't really my people. And unfortunately, they're just, they're people like anybody else and they have problems. And I'm not going to tell them to, I can't tell them to do the work. I can't tell them I need you, you know, I can say, I need you to treat me X, Y, Z. I need you. I need respect. I need kindness. I need support because that's what I've been giving to you. And once I realized, and I got it out of my head and I realized, you know, I mean, I paid off Sarah, I paid off $12,000 for credit card debt. <laughs> and I let her live with me for free for eight months. And I, you know, went and got her a job, you know, and I'm going, you know, I wrote all these things out and I wrote down what, you know, she had done for me. And I was like, uh, 
she watched Jerry for Friday night and I paid her. And I'm like, ooh, what? But to her, I mean, to a toxic person, that is the same thing. Yep. It's like if I pay, if you, I babysit for you and you pay me, that is just the same as you paying $12,000 because you should do that for me because you're my sister, right? It's like, what? You know? <laughs> Yeah. We're yeah. just like, how could this be? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, this- and you can't ever do enough for her. That's the thing. And you owe her. It's almost like I owed her that. I owed her. I flew to China when she lived over there to teach English second language. I flew to China for two weeks. Nobody else in my family had gone, even though she's really close with everyone else. I go and I'm like, yes, I will spend, you know, because it's not cheap to travel internationally, you know, and I and I went over there and then I paid for everything while we were there. And I'm going, what, you know, and I, you know, I just, anyways, I started to go and I got it out of my head. So my best advice is to, to sit down and write it out, get it out of your head and then grieve the relationship that you thought you had, grieve the relationship that you wanted. Um, and, and really, um, a trauma therapist was really huge along with coaching. And that's, what I tell a lot of people because you know when you talk about leading by example they say how do you how are you doing so well and I said I had a damn good coach you (laughs) yeah and I said and I had a damn good therapist you know and I they both go together because one helps you look at the past and reconcile that and the other one helps you move forward and you cannot especially with the family bond working through that as a healed person is very cathartic with both people and you have to have both it's just you do you have to have both um and I know people oh that that costs money you know those sort of things well you know figure out a way that works for you you you, you know you get in what you you get out what you put in right and so I firmly believe those two items were critical for me to even get to that low contact and then the no contact. So there's, you know, the three types of contact and what I went through, the steps I went through to removing myself from toxic people. And it yeah, was... and I want to come back to the money question because mm-hmm. you, you've had several different versions of you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and which version of you, is it the confused version of you or the healed version of you that is more successful financially? Oh, absolutely. The healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because I think that is scary. And what there was somebody and they were like scared, they were wanting to start a business and they were scared and, you know, talking about the process. And I said, every week, you have not started that business, you are losing money every single week. And she goes, you're right. And it's like, but we don't think about it, right? Like we think about if we already have money and spend it as like some type of loss, but we don't think about like the potential loss of spending all your time, you know, being exhausted Mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, being worried all the time, feeling hyper vigilant, being, you know, not yeah. as creative in your thinking because you're always grieving, right? There's a real financial component to that that I do want to remind people of because sometimes that's like the light bulb that comes on and they're yeah. just like, oh, yeah. yeah. If I'm- everything has an opportunity cost and that's how I relate to it. It's like, so if I'm sitting here, inaction costs you as much unrest and um, how do I want to say this? You know, unrest and confusion and I, I might like my, my ADHD will kick in and I'm like, like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm costing myself time yes, yes. And, and money and, you know, starting a business. Like I, I've gone through that process while I was, you know, I started a business after I did the Wonders Woman program and the first business I, st- you know, I started did not do well. And so I stopped that. And then I started my food empowerment business, business, which you've seen the website and that's not what we're talking about. But I'm excited to say we are, um, you can absolutely brag on yourself. Okay. <laughs> so last time we, we, we were doing, 
just like we just put the website together you reviewed it you're like it looks great so we've we're in we're ending our focus group the middle of this month so we're working out all the kinks and we had I want to say in the two days that we accidentally launched so that was my fault but um I hit the wrong button on the back end and um but we had 772 subscribers within two days and we did no marketing Mm mm-hmm Wonderful. Oh my yes. gosh, it's great. Yes. And so we're like, I'm like, let's just launch it. And this is it's not, it's not right. <laughs> you know, but um, there is an opportunity cost, right? But what we're doing is because of it's actually, it was, it was actually divine intervention in a way, because now I'm like, okay, we're hiring a VA. So we're getting that, we're getting her trained specifically for our site. And we're finishing all the kinks. We're getting another partner. So we've partnered now with Amazon, um, Whole Foods Market and thrive. Um, and we have several other companies that want to work with us, but we're taking it one step at a time. So we're getting out there, we're getting our marketing together for our, obviously our social media pages and all of that. But yeah, it's been, and this is all working while I'm working my six figure career, you know, and I'm in charge of a lot right. of things too. <laughs> um, right. um, yes. <laughs> Yes. But it's, and that's why I wanted to let, let these ladies know is like, it is one, once healing is so incredibly empowering. And what I mean by empowering is when you don't have all that noise, that toxic, and I, that's what I refer to as a toxic noise, that drama, taking your focus away from the things that are actually going to move you forward in life, help your children, help you financially, emotionally, spiritually, you can accomplish anything. The sky is the limit. And I think, and I know, I'm not going to say I think, I know for a fact that the way I was raised held me back in fear so much because I couldn't think for myself. I was under her control. She thought for me. She told me, this is how we're going to do this. And oh, well, that's not you. You can't do that. You're no fun. Nobody's going to want to hang out with you. They like to hang out with your sister, Amanda. I mean, if you ask my friends now and and people who really know me and, and my, what I call my family. I'm one of the funnest people to be around ever. I love to laugh. I love to joke. And I never, I didn't do that enough because I was always told I was not the fun one. Let's talk about some survival skills that kids can adapt. You talked yep. about uh, being hyper vigilant in your childhood, almost like you were the little adult. Mm-hmm. What are some other survival skills that you feel like you developed or that you've seen other people develop? A lot of survival skills will come off as quite possibly the golden child. So, or they're so very close to their mom or they're so very close to their dad. And you can tell those children by the fact that they're, um, always trying to please that parent. They're always trying to make sure everyone is taken care of, including their siblings. The way I grew up was, you know, you're either near me for me, taking care of me. And that was in the form of um, taking care of my brothers and sisters, making sure the chores were done, the laundry was done, the cooking was done. And those were set expectations. And I learned very early on that if I was her best friend and I helped her, then she was happy. 
And then there was no yelling. There was no criticisms. There was no, um, this isn't good enough. There was none of that. And if that wasn't there, there was holy Ned to pay. Then there was going to be yelling. There's nobody loves me. All I do is do and free for you guys. I don't ever get anyone or any appreciation. And it was, it, it was awful. It was, you know, then, it, then she would go from that to cutting you down. What did you do all day? what do you think I do all day? You know, and it, <laughs> it's just, it was, um, it was constant. So if I, I knew if I stood in her good graces and my siblings who I don't talk to anymore would tell you, well, Jennifer was always the golden child. We don't know what her problem was, you know, but I was the one handling all of the adult stuff and, and keeping her at bay. And my twin sister and my little sister were the ones out laying on the, by the pool, enjoying their childhood, enjoying being, um, kids and they maybe had to clean their pick up their room. Right. You know, and I was always viewed as mom's favorite because I was like the mom. Well, I protected them in a lot of ways because I knew what would happen if I didn't follow through on those. And I did not please her because, and I know this for a fact, because I found out, um, this was years after, but um, my little sister who's seven years younger than me, um, said, well, my life changed. And my, I felt mom got crazy when I turned 11. Well, I was 17 at the time, almost turning 18. As soon oh, as I gra- yes. 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 As soon as I graduated, I got the heck out of there. I was like, bye-bye. And that's when she pinpointed <laughs> was when her life got hard. <laughs> And I just said, uh, well, I, I mean, I didn't say anything to her. I, I was just like, uh, it just validated my role. And so what I, what I would like to tell everybody, especially who has children, you may think that your child is that person, that act, that toxic parent's best friend, but what they're really doing is they're surviving. And so my, I just had an example today. So my ex-husband, my son, they both, he seems very much like his father and very much, you know, um, his best friend and doing things like him. And I know that he's not. And how do I know that? Well, I came home this afternoon from work and to get on our call and I walk in and his dog is in my house. And while I'm walking in, I get a call from my son. Hey mom, I'm just wondering, can we watch Annie this weekend? And I'm going, well, I'm looking at her in the house. So he goes, oh, well, I was hoping to catch you, but dad already dropped her off, assuming that you would be okay with it. Mm. And I, You don't have any problems doing me an extra favor, do you? No, <laughs> absolutely not. You have an awesome 4th of July. Mm, girlfriend number nine. She's pretty good, huh? You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh dear. But um, anyway, so I just told my son, I said, honey, I am absolutely okay having Annie. However, I don't appreciate um, your dad just dropping her off without asking first. And he said, mom, I completely, he goes, mom. And he's like whispering. He's like, mom, I, I understand. He goes, I told dad that we needed to keep her here until he, you answer the phone and we could ask you. But then, you know, you can hear my ex in the background going, what are you saying? And he's like, oh, nothing, dad. I'm just telling her that I, that we asked, (laughs) you know? And so, and even when they come back from their dads, it does take like a full day of transition or even a couple of days um, for him to fully relax and and then we have those gracious conversations and i call them gracious space 
Um, and this is where my kids, you know, get to tell me all of their frustrations with their dad. And most of the time my response is, I'm so sorry that he said that. I'm so sorry that that is happening. I'm so sorry he made that decision. And I remind them that it's not a reflection of who they are or who, um, uh, or any decision that he makes for them. I am not going to hold that against them. Because I know that that's not something that they would do. And giving them that grace and that space to be open and honest with me is has really saved, one, my peace of mind. Because I'm not sitting there at home stewing going, oh my gosh, my son just called me and asked me to watch this dog and it's sitting here. And he knew that. And how horrible is that? Is he turning out just like his father? Mm. No. And how do I know that? Because one, you know, in this program, we're wondrous women. Two, we are setting a better example and leading by example. Our children know, they will know better. If they don't now. I know. Yeah. And if we are always getting upset by what they say, Mm -hmm. then they stop saying Obviously, that's not correct English, but you know, yeah. <laughs> they stop doing those things uh, because then they feel in their body our anxiousness and our anxiety and us being upset. And so, if we don't do that and we keep that space and grace and keep that safe space, then their nervous system can calm down and we keep getting the answers we need to get the peace of mind we want. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I, and I've seen it come full circle, Sarah, from the point standpoint of my son, you know, has seen his dad, let him down several times. And it's, I'm sorry, let me love on you. Let me give you a hug because that's hard. Um, when your dad does something like that and you know, he's come to me and said, mom, I really want my dad to bring me some dirt so I can build a jump for my dirt bike. Can you help me ask him because you handle in a way where he responds better. Oh my gosh, that is huge. No, that's Uh awesome. And Mm -hmm. for your children to see you as the warrior that you didn't have as a kid. Yep. I'm, yep. They will never know what it feels like to feel invalidated, misunderstood, and not important like I did growing up. Love it. Love it. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, with my children, you know, they'll go through like we were talking about just to bring this all about, you know, together, you know, they'll probably go through those three types of contact with their dad. You know, right now they are in full contact. So my best advice to the women out there with, with children specifically, but women in the program who have been raised in a toxic family system and helping their children through that. So they're going to go through the same three types of contact that you will. So full contact, low contact. So I see you at birthdays and holidays only or very, very minimum and low, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe take a phone call from you once a month or whatever that looks like for you. It's just little bits and pieces after those boundaries are established. And so that's what I did. I, I established boundaries. I was like, I'm not going to take your phone call when I'm at work. I'm not going to take your phone call when I'm with my kids because I get dumped on. I'm not going to, you know, do these things. I'm not going to fly back to Illinois for Christmas because every time I come back for Christmas, I, my body got so stressed. I had strep throat and the flu 
every single year at Christmas. Do you think I enjoyed that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Jen, thank you so much for helping us. And I do want you to tell people about your website because it should be live by the time this comes out, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, my, so my website is foodempowerment.com and it will help you learn professional information from Dr. Allie, who's my business partner. She's a professional naturopathic doctor on how to get tested for food sensitivities and allergies. And we'll teach you how to shop. We'll teach you how to cook. And then we'll also coach you through that process. So Yes, check her out for sure. She is a rock star, wondrous woman. So Jen, thank you so much for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.